0: Well, today, as we turn to the scripture, we're concluding a little three-week series called Jesus in the Office. And um, it hasn't been a a series about, you know, taking your faith to work or something like that. It's been a series about grasping the love of Jesus more fully by understanding what Jesus has done for us more deeply. And uh, we'll read the scripture in in just a moment, but just to to set this up quickly. In, In the Old Testament, there were three offices to which a person could be anointed, prophet, priest, and king. And uh, this, this chart has been helpful for me. It shows how Jesus was a mediator for us in all of these ways. Uh, as prophet, the flow was from God to, to people. A prophet speaks to people on behalf of God. As priest, the flow was from people to God. You know, a, a priest intercedes on behalf of the people with God. And as king... Uh, God's leadership is extended to people through the righteous rule of a king. At least that's the way it's supposed to work. And and the Heidelberg Catechism sums all of this up. If if you're less familiar with this, this is a question and answer teaching tool used in in our faith tradition uh, to give instruction in the faith. And question and answer number 31, why is he, Jesus, called the Christ, meaning anointed? Answer, because he has ordained has been ordained by God the Father and has been anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who fully reveals to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our deliverance. Our only high priest who has delivered us by the one sacrifice of his body and who continually pleads our cause with the Father. And our eternal king who governs us by his word and spirit and who guards us and keeps us in the freedom he has won for us. And today we're looking at that last part, Jesus as our king. And we mentioned earlier in the service that today is Christ the King Sunday. Uh, That's really a man-made holiday. It was created by Pope Pius XI in 1925 because of what he saw as a rise in secularism and a waning understanding and respect for the kingship of Jesus, this idea that the earth has a king who is alive right now, Jesus Christ. And that, that's a good thought for us today, and, and especially in a season of uncertainty and struggle. We have a king who's alive right now and who is good. So as we think about Jesus as our king, let's listen to the scripture.
1: Hear now the word of the Lord, first from 1 Samuel chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected Me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know that the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. And now the word of the Lord from the 18th chapter of John, beginning in verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to pre- prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king, then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, open our minds to your word, help us as we consider it. Uh, We want nothing left on the table today, so help us hear you, God. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So God never wanted Israel to have a human king. Did you know that? Did you remember that? Maybe you're less familiar with the Bible and that's a completely new thought to you. you know, despite the great tradition of, of King David described as a, a person after God's own heart, God's original intent was that he would be our people, our, our God, and we would be his people. You know, That we would be open to God's active leadership in, in our lives. But as the story of the Bible explains, we said no to that. And the Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you, it is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. We rejected God as our king. Wow. Right, that's, that's a thing. God even directed the prophet Samuel to tell the Israelites, what having a human king would be like, what to expect, the cost of it. Here it is. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. And it's, like, it's like God is saying very simply, human leaders are broken. They're broken just like you and me. They'll trend towards selfish ends. They'll use all the resources at their command for, for selfish desires. It'd be a lot easier for everybody if you just listened to me. But they thought that they knew better. Nope, we, we want a king. And you and I both know that, that at least a little bit of that spirit resides in us too. We can think we know better. And God permits people to choose paths in life other than he desires. That's one of the big learnings from this passage. There's a lot of theological mystery here. I mean, sin is not God's will, but he allows it. Sin has consequences that are not representative of God's kingdom, but God allows it. In this story, God allowed people to choose their own way, even though God, it would, God knew it would lead them into heartache and pain. And here it is, the Lord answered Samuel, listen to them, and give them a king. Translated, let them have what they say they want, even though I know it's not what they need. We reject God's leadership, that, that's in us, and, and that's why it's so significant That Jesus came as our king. This is a huge piece of God's big redemptive story. Getting back to the original idea of God himself being our God. And leading us directly. Of God serving as our king. Not just the the philosophical king. But the one who actually leads us. You can look at the Christmas story through this lens. Look again at what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You see, this is brilliant. In in Jesus, God did two things. He satisfied our request for a human king And he came to us in person to be that king. It's it's stunning. You know, God wanted us to trust and to walk with him as Abraham did, but in our lack of faith, we wanted a leader we could see, not just a God in whom we trust and in whom we have faith. God acquiesced to the desire of the people and directed Samuel to give him a king, but that's not what God wanted. That's not what God preferred. You know, one of the ways to define the kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God is any realm where what God prefers is what happens. That's a definition from the author Dallas Willard, whom I, whom I very much appreciate. The, the Greek word translated as kingdom in our Bibles is the word basileia. And basileia literally means kingdom, but, but it's referring to, to an exercise of kingly rule, not just a a geographic realm, not just a place, but an experience, a reality. Thus, you can think of the kingdom of God as any realm where God's leadership is being received and acted upon. We're not just thinking nice religious thoughts. We're not just thinking well of Jesus. We're actually receiving leadership from Jesus and acting upon it changing the course of our lives based on what Jesus said and is saying. We talk about receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord. Well, this is the Lord part, right? Yeah, we believe Jesus saves us, but are we receiving his leadership and following him? Can I just say that again? We believe Jesus saves us, but... Are we receiving the leadership of Jesus and following him? Are you receiving the leadership of Jesus and following him? How? Where? What are the rough edges in that endeavor for you? This is a cornerstone of, of Christian faith. Faith in Jesus initiates a person into a life of obedience to Jesus. And, and people get this mixed up all the time and misunderstand Christianity like it's just a list of do's and don'ts and, and, and a, a, a kind of a blueprint of religious duty. That's not it at all. It's just that when you come to trust Jesus, a desire is birthed in you to obey him, to follow him. Not because you have to, but because you get to, and you know that following Jesus leads to a better kind of life. This is what the Apostle Paul was getting at in Romans 1. Here's what he wrote. Through him, through Jesus, we received grace and apostleship to call the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. The obedience of faith, this is referred to. Faith initiates a person into a life of obedience to Jesus. You know, in, in the prayer that Jesus taught us, which we prayed earlier in the service, Jesus told us to pray, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when we pray that way, we're praying in the same direction as the gospel. We're praying that the reign and rule of God might be reestablished in every human heart everywhere on the planet. We're praying that the Great Commission would be advanced and, and completed. And it's always good to begin that prayer by focusing on me, right? May your kingdom come and your will be done in me as it will be in heaven. You know, help me receive your leadership and guidance. Help me be that realm where what you prefer is what happens. Help me be your coworker in this world, such that your kingdom comes and your will is done here as it is in heaven. People rejected God's leadership. We reject God's leadership. And God came in Jesus to be our king, to reestablish his leadership through a demonstration of amazing love. So what, what do we do with this? How do we live this? How do we apply this, right? In this case, there's a very simple way to implement the reality of Jesus being the king of our lives. And here it is. Allow... Don't avoid. Allow, don't avoid. What I mean by that is this. Allow, allow God to have the place of king for you. Receive the leadership that Jesus is trying to offer you. Follow him actively by, by seeking the Lord and seeking to hear from the Lord. Not just every once in a while, but moment by moment. You know, God is guiding us by his spirit. The scripture teaches that. That the Spirit will guide us into all truth, will remind us of the things that Jesus said. God is guiding us actively now, leading us. Allow God to have that place. Follow promptings. Obey the guidance of the Spirit. Allow. Don't avoid. When we avoid, we find some way to continue hiding or turning away from God. That's what avoid means rejecting Jesus' leadership over our life. Maybe receiving him as Savior, but rejecting him as Lord. Now, now this one's, this one's kind of sneaky, because there are all sorts of different ways to avoid Jesus. And, and some of them kind of make you out to be a really good person. I mean, you, you can outright ask Jesus to leave... I mean, there's a biblical example of that. Remember when Jesus cast out the demons from that demoniac and they went into the herd of pigs and the pigs ran off that cliff and drowned and then all the people of that region came out and they said this to Jesus. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. <laughs> this is the Jesus please go away response. Which is open to us, by the way. We can say that to Jesus. Jesus. That's one way to avoid him. Another way to avoid Jesus is by taking on the role of either the younger brother or the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son. You might remember this if you're more familiar with the Bible. My son Jack and I are doing a a book by by Tim Keller, the prodigal God. We're doing it as a read aloud at, at nighttime. I'm reading it aloud to Jack and and we're, we're learning in there that both the younger brother and the elder brother were avoiding Jesus. We, we, we tend to think it was just the elder brother or the younger brother who took off. You know, he asked for his half of the inheritance and went off and wasted it all and learned that that kind of life is a dead-end road. You know, the younger brother, threw caution to the wind, pursued a life of pleasure. So lesson one here is one of the reasons people pursue pleasure is to avoid God, to avoid Jesus, to avoid the leadership of God in their life. But the elder brother, you know, meticulously followed every rule. He never did anything wrong. And he thought that made him good, but he was wrong because ultimately it was a way of trying to put God and others in his debt. It was a, a moralistic self-righteousness and he was as lost as the younger brother. Lesson here, one of the best ways to avoid Jesus is by coming very religious. And we're, we're masters of dreaming up ways to avoid Jesus, really. To, to ultimately reject the leadership of Jesus in our life. So, Allow, don't avoid. Allow, don't avoid. And and this is not meant to be spiritual drudgery or just a sense of obligation or duty. I mean, allowing Jesus to reign in our lives, to, to rule and guide is all invitation because Jesus is a good, good God, an amazing king, just incredible. Back, back in, the, in the late 70s, there was a famous Baptist preacher named S.M. Lockridge. I, I heard him speak one time about his first name and his middle name. Uh, his parents actually named him Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. <laughs> so when people, when people asked, why, why do you go by S.M.? He had to explain that, and then they said, oh, okay, now we get it. Um, but, but back in the 70s, Pastor Lockridge preached what is a now famous a sermon titled That's My King. And recently the video team from the North Valley Baptist Church of Santa Clara, California put together a short clip of a portion of that sermon for the National Youth Workers Convention. I certainly can't say it any better, so let's close today with that description of King Jesus.
2: The Bible says he's a king of the Jews he's a king of israel he's a king of righteousness he's a king of the ages he's a king of heaven he's a king of glory he's a king of kings and he is the lord of lords now that's my king do you know him no means of measure can define his limitless love well well he's internally strong he's entirely sincere He's eternally steadfast, he's immortally graceful, he's impurely powerful, he's impartially magical. Do you know him? He's God's Son, he's a sinner's Savior, he's the centerpiece of civilization, he's unparalleled. He's unprecedented, where well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. Do you know him? He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He, he delivers the captive. He defends the beast. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? My king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a way of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is is sufficient, his reign is righteous, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mouth. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king! Yeah! He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. Euclidean, seek him, and he's not going to resign. That's
0: my (laughs) Yeah, amen. Amen. You can't say it better than that. That is our king, King Jesus. He's alive right now. He loves you. He is for you, and if you've been wandering, he wants you back. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your great love for us. Thank you that even in the very moment we rejected you and walked away from your leadership, you decided to at some point in the future restore your good purpose for us. You want to be our God. You want us to be your people. God, if there be any way in us that's preventing that, would you show us that and help us turn to you? If there's anyone listening to this who has never turned to Christ, God, open the way for that. By your spirit, come upon us and help us relinquish control of our lives and turn to you and receive your leadership and all the good things you want to give us. Forgiveness and grace, a new start, a new life, such a new life, it's like being born again, you said. God, we want to receive all you have to give. So by your spirit, pour it out on us. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are a good, good king. We pray in your name, amen.